What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Martin, with another episode of Intuitive Minds Podcast. And today's guest, we have a legendary one. She has done so many things within the entertainment industry. Lisa Bonner, managing attorney at Bonner Law PC. How are you, Lisa? I'm very well. Thank you. How are you? Good, good. Hanging in there. You know, it's snow day, so for, for yeah. us. Are you, are you in the East Coast as well? or? Yeah, I'm uh, down in, in Atlanta where we had a little bit of snow yesterday. Mm. And- but, uh, but happy 22, happy 2022. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Likewise. Happy 2020. I've never, I, that's the first time I've ever encountered snow in Atlanta like that. I never really seen snow in Atlanta. It snowed before I moved here. It snows every now and then. Um, oh, okay. but you know, uh, they had snowmageddon about eight or 10 years ago and were mm. really caught off guard. So ever since then, they really tried to make sure that they would be prepared, um, and, you know, because of global warming, I mean, listen, you don't know if I'll be 70, week before we had 70 degree, you know, weather, but mm-hmm. we're no different than anybody else across the world, actually. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, because I'm, I'm in the DMV area, so we, we kind of yeah. got hit pretty bad, but not really. Apparently yeah. there was a, there, apparently there was a thousand accidents yesterday. Yes. I, oh, wow. And then a couple of weeks ago, didn't you guys have a pile up on mm-hmm. 95? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I think we need to get a better of this in advance because it's getting yeah. out of hand. You know, it's, it's plus insurance companies are making buku money right now off of like the accidents, which is crazy. Yeah, that's another thing. That's another yeah. thing to think about. Or for another day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But now, uh, break down on who Lisa Bonner is and everything. Your start and everything. You growing up? Where'd you grow up and everything? I grew up in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, I am from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, and, you know, lived there until I was, you know, so I graduated from college and I knew once I, you know, early on that once I could move out of St. Louis, no Tino Shea, but, you know, it's the Midwest mm-hmm. and I felt like I was destined for, you know, uh, a more, um, what's the word I want to say? I don't want to offend anybody, just a, a different experience, you yeah, know, yeah. Mm-hmm. the Midwest is great, but, um, I just felt like I just needed to, to just move away. Mm-hmm. And so I did, I went away to college on the East coast and spent a couple of years there. And I finished at university of Missouri school of journalism. Um, cause I, you know, was in school and I was like, mm, I, you know, I'm not the struggle girl. So I wanted to do, I, I, there's enough things that you can do well without having to struggle and, and make a mm-hmm. living. So I decided to go to journalism school because I could, you know, read, uh, speak, not read. Of course we can all read, but I could, yeah. uh, I could speak and, um, and I had an interest in public speaking, which I did all throughout, um, grammar school and high school and, um, in communications and journalism, I was a strong writer as well. So I didn't know I don't want to do with it, but I figured I could do something with it. And, didn't actually when mm-hmm. I graduated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I ended up working as an investment banker, ironically. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But my journalism, you know, degree has served me well because it, you know, it teaches, it taught me objectivity. It exactly. Taught me yeah. Debate, um, which ultimately served me when I went back to uh, law school mm-hmm. and I went to law school at NYU and um, graduated from there and moved from there back to LA where I lived when I was an investment banker. And, um, and uh, started my career in uh, entertainment there. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I started my career in commercial litigation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, I was, you know, I, I tell this story all the time. I say, you know, you're living in LA 
and as a young adult and you're just out and about and mm-hmm. people hear you a lawyer and they're, oh my gosh, you know, you're with your, you know, contemporaries and people, you know, will ask, can you do, you know, management agreements? Can you do re- record agreements? So I kind of felt like if I was missing out on opportunities, if I didn't at least learn how to do it. Exactly. So I did. Mm-hmm. I, you know, worked and taught myself um, with books and contracts uh, after work, I would stay and just, you know, kind of had mm-hmm. a war going on in my office. It's, it's almost like an avenue almost approached you. Yeah, exactly. I just felt like, you know, a lot of people kept coming up to me, asking me about it. I felt like I was, well, if I didn't know how to do it, I felt like I was yeah. leaving a lot of money and possible opportunities on the table, mm-hmm. which, you know, the training served me well because um, I was um, then offered a position um, at when the internet was kind of starting up, I'm dating myself, but, um, <laughs> you know, 20 something years ago at the, mm-hmm. you know, we had the height of the, you know, the internet and how we were starting to really get into, um, making film and TV, um, for the internet. Um, I got a job with one of the first streamers. Um, it's not, it's no longer around, but they were, um, funded to the tune of, you know, half a billion dollars at the time. And, okay. you know, brought over, you know, we had outside counsel was a big firm and they had, you know, three or four of us, you know, younger lawyers in there. I actually took a pay cut to go in and I was on a 30 day trial. I mean, a three month trial, but I wanted it and I was going to make myself indispensable. And, you know, I had a functional knowledge of it and, you know, and I, we had outside people teaching us. And so I was the kind of the rest is history, you know. Mm. I worked there until I saw the handwriting on the wall and the bubble was about to burst. And I took that. And at that point, one of um, you know, somebody, you know, kind of asked me to go into business with them, another lawyer, the girl who hired me actually and was like, we should start our own firm. And I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like this was in the day when nobody was an entrepreneur, right? Like nobody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but now everybody's like, you know, it's a, not a thing. But back then, I was like, if you weren't in the big firm, everybody was looking at you like, okay. Mm-hmm. But you know, we had a we had a skill set that other people didn't have at the time because we worked inside of the companies that were doing it. As a matter of fact, I helped write the side the SAG side letter agreement that was actually subject really to a lot of the IATSE. Um, yes, back in the day because this was negotiated back in you know the early you know two thousands and so you this know, was they- like. This was like before uh, SAG-AFTRA. No, SAG-AFTRA was was around, but they were starting to. They had this thing called new media, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they so the only so the SAG at the time the actors only had an agreement to work on video games, like to lend their voices oh. and be animated for video games. There was no mm-hmm. nothing to deal with the burgeoning content that people mm-hmm. were recording. Um, to go on the internet. And at this time we had T1s and they were little like one by one. I don't know, you know, how old you are, but back in the day, this is before Napster, but you know, they had these one by one screens that people were starting to watch like entertainment on. And so Mm -hmm. it was like, we were the first of its kind. And there was no kind of agreement for the actors in SAG to appear on these 
screens and the people to work, the crew to work on them. And so um, I helped write the side SAG letter agreement to after for the digital, what we, you know, now is kind of, that's been negotiated over and over again, but the IATSE, the, the union, um, one hasn't. And so these were, <laughs> you know, and a matter of fact, one of the guys called me from uh, digital entertainment was a network. And one of the guys called me, one of the producers mm-hmm. and, you know, it was like, well, I just want to know your opinion. He called me like out of the freaking blue, like got my <laughs> number from one of the producers. I still, you know, keep in touch with and was mm-hmm. like, you know, I just want your opinion. And I'm like, listen, man, <laughs> <laughs> You know, and so he was like, you helped write that, didn't you? I was like, well, I'm honored you remember, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. That's so all that, I know. <laughs> yeah, and so that's kind of how I got my, that is how I got my start in the entertainment industry. That's crazy because you moved from St. Louis to L.A. And I was looking over, I was doing your research, and it seems like you took L.A. by storm. Because it's like lawyer, production, uh, producer, I mean, uh, journalism. It, it's just like a jack of all trades in a way. Well, you know, um, I, like I said, I know what I can do and I know what I can't do. Um, and when I lived in LA at the time, I literally was focused on becoming the best lawyer that I can be because there are a lot of people, you know, people think just because you're a lawyer, you're automatically smart or you automatically know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. That's true. There are a lot of lawyers, doctors, pilots, Mm -hmm. you know, people that don't know, and they're not good in their craft. And what I was learning when I lived in LA was how to be the best lawyer I could be, how to be of service to the clients. Um, I was constantly in, you know, taking classes. I was teaching at UCLA. Um, you know, I was really, I was learning all the time, but I was really focused on how being the best lawyer that I could be. And I was also diversifying because, um, I was in film and TV when a lot of people were just in music or just in film and TV, mm-hmm. but because I was, you know, an entertainment generalist and I knew how to do all of those well, um, I was something, you know, of an anomaly and one of, you know, few people that really kind of still cross all genres and, and no Tino shade to the other lawyers that don't mm-hmm. do it. It's just not something that's, that's done, you know, because a lot of people, again, when you're in a firm, you kind of get pigeonholed or if you're at a record company, you're doing record contracts. If Mm -hmm. you're at a TV and so you become pigeonholed, but then, you know, I started representing a lot of different companies, different people um, had a skill set. And then I moved to New York once I felt like I had really mastered, you know, the craft Uh, 10 years in, I felt like, you know what, I really want to go back to New York. And I really wanted a different experience. And that's when I really got into more of the producing and more of the um, the diversification. I started writing for, you know, magazines and op-ed pieces and Mm -hmm. traveling and writing, you know, you know, travel blogs and travel um, things, which are, you know, now, you know, common. But back in 2010, when I was doing it, there were, there weren't, you know, people doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really just about, you know, being, learning the craft. And I think it's really important that people take time out to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially because, especially nowadays, things are moving super fast with the social media happening. The digital media moves a lot faster as we've, we've yes. all learned, you know what I mean? And yeah. you, 2010 was like at the beginning of it. Yeah. You yeah. Know, so was that tough to, for you to, to handle that transition or were you just like, you know what I got? No, this. I mean, I, that was the beginning of it for a lot of people, but I right. had been involved in that again, early on in 2000, Mm -hmm. you know, literally in 2000, 
um, when I started working with Digital Entertainment Network. Mm -hmm. That's why I had such a skill set that other people didn't have. Mm -hmm. And that's how I was able to really build a client base Mm -hmm. built on that because I had a lot of people that were producers um, at my former company where I worked that, you know, were out there making film for, you know, the internet, but, you know, a traditional lawyer was like, I don't know how to do that. And we were like, oh, we do. (laughs) And, you know, we already, and they knew that we knew how to do it um, Mm -hmm. because we were doing it. You know, we were the ones that were setting the the curve and we were the ones that, you know, that were involved in. So for me, it wasn't, it wasn't a big transition because Mm -hmm. I grew up in the legal world like that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for other people that it may have been, you know, something of, you know, of a, a shock, even in the record, in the music industry, industry like they yeah. were very reluctant to, you know, make changes. And then, you know, here comes Napster mm-hmm. and, um, and that really changed and revolutionized yeah. it because it forced the music industry to really deal with, a, a you know, an emerging media and the digital space that with you know, and, and the, production companies they're old run by old white men like you know old 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 people no and not from an ageist perspective but just Mm -hmm. you know entrenched like old hollywood you know like these these people were still at the bastions of i mean this was like when clive davis was still around you know at arista and you know people that came up were they were legendary Mm -hmm. and made their money you know the on mechanicals and literally the digital, I mean, the, the pressing of, you know, of, um, albums and things like that. So mm-hmm. you do have this, you know, new bastion of, of kids coming up, you know, who were literally kids and teenagers that were really revolutionizing this space and really forced, you know, them to, to wreck it. So for me, it wasn't a shock because I was blessed to have gotten into that space at the, when it was a very when it's nascent form. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I, I, as the years progress, obviously contracts had to change as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which, and so that's one of the things that, you know, we were always, you know, dealing with. Like that's one mm-hmm. of the things that I was in the record, you know, agreements that I was doing with with the with the labels like back in the day. Like, well, how what what about, you know, these new forms of download and these what they called, you know, digital transmissions at the time. And, you know, and really um how how does that work? And I say the same thing about NFTs, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, that might not be a big form of payment now, but oh, I've yeah. been talking to all the people that have these, you know, overall deals and these, you know, these contracts, these record contracts, you know, that are going to get you know, could it potentially go on for years? Well, do you want the opportunity to be paid in NFTs? And what does that look like? And, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of the people are still very reluctant to exactly um, to yeah. really make that transition. But just look what happened. It's not a big deal now, but look at, and I, you know, and look what's going to happen in five years. We'll see. And if it goes nowhere, then it goes nowhere. Yeah. But I don't see that not happening. Well, that's what we said about the internet. You know, we thought yeah. it wasn't going, going anywhere. It was, exactly. And, that's and what then, I'm saying. If it doesn't, but you know the way that that everything has evolved, then I think that we probably have a better you know need to figure out you how. You never know. You never know what's valuable ten years right. from now. You never not to go outside of the entertainment or. But look at like Pokemon cards. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like yeah. that th- that show came out what like in the nineties, ninety six. Yeah. Yeah. So two thousand, yeah. I came to America. I was ten years old. Pokemon was a big thing in two thousand here. Yeah. And then here's twenty years later. 
people are like, oh, somebody sold a rare Pokemon card for 300,000, 400,000. Yeah. So that's what I see happening with NFTs as well, because you have the yeah. metaverse, you have the metaverse happening now as well. And yeah. people, what, what, from what I'm gathering is you go into the metaverse and then you go into somebody's house and then the NFTs are on their wall. Yeah. That's it's digital art form. That's, yeah. that's the way I look at it. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. So we'll yeah. see. Or digital currency is it yeah. is. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's digital currency as well. Like it's it's in there yeah. as well. So it's like a lot of these the Oculus is doing some some major things with it. And then you're gonna so if Oculus is doing something, then you're gonna have Apple yeah. ready to advance something else. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be a monopoly. I don't know who's gonna take it, but I'm waiting for that to happen. Um but now growing up, obviously we mentioned what are some things you like music wise, who'd you listen to? Who inspired you and everything? What were some inspirations? Oh, growing up, I was inspired by a lot of the music that my parents listened to, which was, you know, Aretha, Bill Withers, um, you know, Stevie Wonder, a lot of that, um, you know, the traditional Black music, Mm -hmm. um, the soul music. Um, I had, we had a lot of that in our house. Um, but, you know, I also grew up in the time of Parliament Funkadelic, you know, Bootsy Collins, nice. um, okay. Zap, Gap Band, mm-hmm. you know, Brothers Johnson. And then I had a brother who played the guitar and he liked all kinds of music, but, you know, he played a lot of like rock. So I would listen to Steely Dan because, you know, they had a lot of the guitar chords in, mm-hmm. in that kind of music. So I listened to Steely Dan. Yes. Um you know, um, I love Pat Benatar back in the day. Nice. Like she was okay. bad, just a bad bitch, you know, like <laughs> she was, you know, Tina Marie, you know, yeah. I listened to kind of like everything except like acid rock, you know, I was really kind of inspired by like all music from my parents and my brothers, you know, and just myself and, you know, so. So, yeah. So it feels like music followed you. I think so. I mean, it, in some ways it did, you know, mm-hmm. I, I never was real conscious of it, but I think music plays a big, a bigger part in people's lives than, exactly. than people really give credit to or really think about, you know, mm-hmm. because you can hear a song on TV and that just like a smell, right? Like a perfume, yeah. mm-hmm. like you can, you know, like you think back to the perfume your mom, your mom used to wear mm-hmm. or like, you know, how our senses really focus on, um, you know, really tend to evoke a sense of nostalgia. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like music was the same way. You could listen to a song that was, you know, back in your childhood and it would instantly transport you back into, you know, that era. And, and music is, you know, the great equalizer, you know, something that, and it's healing, you know, when we look at when we were on lockdown and what D nice did Mm -hmm. with that, you know, and he's been a friend of mine, you know, for, uh, I can't even, you know, remember. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, you know, we would see, see him. Matter of fact, the last party that I went to was um, a party um, Oscar week. I think it was the CAA party for NAACP. Nice. And that was in February, late, like February 20-ish mm-hmm. um, in 2020. And that was literally the last party before a lockdown, you know, like the last big party, big you know, party, before lockdown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then just thinking about how he really just took off because 
of doing, you know, and became more mainstream, I shouldn't say, because yeah. he was always well known to, yeah, exactly. you know, to us yeah. in the hip hop era, you mm-hmm. know, people from New York and, and that, but how he really became mainstream, just doing something that he loved. And it was really bringing people together by music. Mm-hmm. You know, we were all exactly. in our houses, all like, okay, we're going to be here for two weeks, two months. And it ended up like almost a year. Yeah. Not really like over a year we were really until we got started coming out with the, mm-hmm. the vaccine right. Right. started rolling out i mean literally we went in in march 2020 and then in 2021 the you know first vaccine started to roll out you know mm-hmm. and so we were in there for a good year you know mm-hmm. and a lot of people you know like me were even trepidatious about coming out afterwards you know let me see how exactly. this works. Let, mm-hmm. let me see mm-hmm. what the world is looking like and how contagious it is so that was something that really you know brought us together so music followed me but i i can't say that i'm unique in that maybe i am but i think yeah. it's, it's more i think it's more prevalent than than we really may actually exactly. think about think about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i mean d nice i mean you mentioned d nice and you also had the versus battle that came oh, out yeah. of nowhere you know pass so. the mic you know all yeah. of that you mm-hmm. know all of it just was because you know listen it's one thing and it's not something like if you're going to sit down and watch tv and or a film like you have to really pay attention to it music you can clean your house you can exercise you can mm-hmm. dance you can nurse your baby whatever it is you know what you can go on about your business and and, and listen to music, but, you know, film and TV, you have to be, you know, it's a captive audience and you kind of have to pay attention, mm-hmm. um, you know, but even, you know, television shows also have a, a way of evoking, uh, you know, memories, but definitely exactly. music. Music, so exactly. Yeah. And, you know, you got to give it to D-Nice because he, he, you know, if you played a song on Instagram, the Instagram live cut you off. Yeah. Right, right away. So shout out to D-Nice for like, yeah. Going through that barrier, you know, because that's yeah. tough. You know, who knows it what is. you have to go through. And just because he was at home, he said, you know, I was like bored. I was going crazy, missing, you know, my gigs and just thought about going live. And I mean, mm-hmm. and I remember texting him like, dude, like, you know, I saw on GMA that they're doing like virtual happy hours. Are you going to spin on Friday? He was like, yeah, I think so. You know, just like it was nothing, mm-hmm. you know, but but again, how it just came became a worldwide movement because music is so is so incredibly healing. Mm-hmm. It's that creative itch he had that just turned into a phenomenon. I mean, yeah. crazy. I mean, two million viewers in one night. Yeah, that was that was insane. So yeah, it, it's good to see like people that have been doing it since the '80s kind of just shine through it. Yeah, because a lot of people yeah. weren't aware of the nice like you mentioned. So which is yeah, crazy. I mean, he, now he's mainstream, but you know, we we knew him and you yeah. know him well, and but now I'm just I'm just so happy for him. Mm-hmm. You know? He started with like Andre Harrell and them. Like, sorry, he started with Andre Harrell and them. Actually, like BDP. BDP, Boogie exactly. Down. Boogie Down yeah, Productions. Boogie Down yeah, Productions yeah, back yeah, in the yeah. day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that, that whole scheme, that whole Boogie Down Productions versus yeah. MC Shan, all of that. Yeah, that was yeah. that was a whole yeah. thing. Uh, outside of the entertainment industry and everything, you also love to travel, and you've been to yeah. over eighty countries. Yes, and then you've you've. You've uh, you've dived with great white sharks. You've climbed the Sydney Harbor Bridge. Even spent time with monks. Like, <laughs> share, share, like share some of that experience with us. Um, yeah, I think I've been to eighty four countries. Sheesh. Um, I had, I was somewhat of a you know a military brat. My dad, you know, was in the military, so we moved mm-hmm. around a little bit. You know, before you know we really moved to St. Louis. My brother's probably more so than me. But I got it honestly because my dad has wanderlust as well. And 
you know, I've always, you know, kind of loved to travel. Like I remember watching MTV in, I guess this was the eighties mm-hmm. and a Duran Duran. That was another, Oh my God, how can I forget Duran Duran? Yeah. <laughs> that was like, that was a big inspiration in my life. Like I, can't believe I forgot that one. Mm-hmm. But um, Duran Duran had a, um, I think it was a Save a Prayer video that was on MTV when, um, and you remember at the time they weren't playing a whole lot of, you know, black um, artists and urban music. They played mm-hmm. a lot. And especially if you weren't, in, if you're in the Midwest, you have like one station, you know. Um, but I was watching MTV and Duran Duran's Save a Prayer video came on and they were like trudging through this like jungle and they had waterfalls and these big Buddhist statues and just panoramic shots. And if you've never seen the video, go back. I urge everybody to go back and look at it, especially look at it through a 15 year old mm-hmm. girl's eyes who, you know, had been to Mexico and California, but you know, now it's a little bit different because of the world that we live in and the digital divide has brought yeah. us together. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, growing up in the Midwest, you know, it was like that. I just saw that video and I was like, oh, my God, like there's so much beauty in the world. And I yeah. like want a piece of it. So I when I got out of college, I started traveling, you know, I went on like a, one of those like cruises and I hated it. Cause I was like, I don't know all these people. So I got off on a port of call. I don't know, let's say Bahamas. And I just flew home. I was like, I cannot. Um, so right then I knew how, kind of how I wanted to travel. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's just something that I've always really done. And then when I moved back to New York, I would take, you know, family trips with my parents as with my family, as I got older, and we would go to like Europe and different places and I would, um, you know, organize those trips. And, and then, and what, when we got, when I moved back to New York, um, that put me closer to the rest of the world in terms of, you know, not this is Hawaii and, you know, in Australia on that side of the world and, Mm -hmm. and the, in you know, certain parts of Asia, but that's still like a super long way from California. Right. But when I moved exactly. to New York, I was much closer to a lot, a larger part of the world. So I was able to travel, you know, more frequently. Mm-hmm. And because you, you have Europe right there, yeah, right there. It's like six hours, seven six hours, hours away, yep. mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so that's like going from New York to LA. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. And so I started traveling and, um, just traveling with one of my girlfriends who I still travel with now. I started traveling by myself. There was no one doing solo travel back then. Um, and then I, one of my former clients, Emil Wilbekin, who I was, I worked as general counsel at Vibe for 10 years. And he was, yeah, he was um, become editor in chief at, on the digital side, like the of essence Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and was looking for content back in the day and was like, you know, Lisa, you are such a good writer. You funny as hell, you know, like you need to tell your stories. And I'm like, well, I don't know. And I was blogging before that. I was, uh, no, 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 I wasn't. And he said, (laughs) you know, you need to tell your stories. And I was like, well, I don't know really what to write about. Mm -hmm. So I started, I started writing, you know, kind of like, um, 
it was called The Adventures of a Singleista. And you can still Google it. It's still up there. Mm-hmm. And um, and just kind of write. And, he, you know, it's like, let you know, just write about, you know, whatever. And I'm like, okay. And I pitched a couple ideas to him. And then Adventures of a Singleista was born. And I was like, uh, okay. So it's kind of like Sex in the City meets Eat, Pray, Love. And it was, okay. you know, about nice. my okay. adventures in Paris, my adventures here, my adventures mm-hmm. there. Um, and it kind of all started because, I mean, the idea of it started because when I was pitching him different things, when we were trying to narrow it down, I was going on a solo trip and nobody again was solo traveling back then. And mm-hmm. I was, and he was like, oh my God, like, and it was just meant to be, you know, a couple times, you know, I'll write every, you know, whatever, once a month or something. And, and he was like, you know what? And he said, that's the trip you write about. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I wrote about the trip when I went on, you know, I went on a very, very small boat because I was going by myself, but I wanted to travel safely. So mm-hmm. I went on, I think it was like a Windstar cruise, which had like 250 people on it. Okay, that's a small one. And it was one, also yeah. like you could sign up for shore excursions. So I met, I wouldn't be completely by myself, but I would get to experience some things. That's what you got to think about it, right? There's yeah. way to do things that you want to do and, you know, practice, you know, safety. And that's what mm-hmm. I wanted do so. I went there and I went on the boat and I met um, two guys. Um, there were there were a couple. They're now married, and um, and I was hanging out with them. And they I was they celebrated my birthday with me, and we become like lifelong friends. Like that was fourteen mm-hmm. years ago, and we've traveled probably to fifteen different countries. Um, yeah, and they, we've gone to like Sri Lanka. We've gone to you know like India. Um, just ton of different places, um, together, um, and places like that nobody will like Myanmar, Mm -hmm. like nobody wanted to go to Myanmar with me except for those two, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and we just had the best time and that's where I spent the time with the monks. But that's how I started really getting into travel was, you know, I was able to do it more when I was moved back to New York. I had done quite probably about 30 or so countries at that point before I moved to New York back to New York. But after that, I just started traveling and working and yeah. writing. And then I was, um, a mentee of mine had introduced me to this service. I don't even remember what kind of service it was, but it was like a, some kind of digital service where mm-hmm, mm-hmm. people like peruse your thing and match you up. Anyway. So I got contacted by a few tourism boards at that point. And so I started taking, I started being offered um, press trips uh, okay. to different places. And I was, I, I've gone on a ton of them. I've, you know, gone to Australia on mm-hmm. one. Um, I've been to Australia twice. One was with them, um, Dubai, um, just, gosh, Bahamas. You mean just, you know, any like number of places, New Mexico. And I would take, you know, as I could. And, you know, as I was interested, I got a lot of them in places like I, like I would never probably go to New Mexico and have a cooking class. Right. I never, I was like, Oh, that sounds good. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so just really tried to really focus on places that I thought were really interesting that I could sell as a story Mm -hmm. as well. Um, South Africa was my first, trip and I've probably been there with the tourism board five six or six times. times. Yeah. Is, and the is, last is, time was for Mandela 100. Mm, okay. Okay. So, yeah. it's, it seems like, like you mentioned, like 
uh, almost anything that you do, it turns into like from a hobby turns into work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you mentioned the Essence magazine. They're like, oh, you travel. So why don't yeah. you do it? You know, yeah. It's just even with the, like I'm a lawyer. Oh, but you're a lawyer. Do you do entertainment? Do you do this? Do you do that? Like, right. it seems like that's like a sort of luck that you have. It's like, it comes with you. Well, yeah, but a lot of people also, you know, try and get me to do things and not just me, but, you know, they bring you a lot of ideas and it's just, you know, what resonates with you because, Mm -hmm. you know, I like, I feel like there's enough in life that you can do that you can love what you do. Mm -hmm. And there's like, people say, I hate to exercise. You hate every form of exercise that there is. Like, there's nothing that you like to do. Don't tell me that because there is a way to make, I mean, first of all, there are health benefits to it. Just like with work, well, you got to make money. Okay, well, let me find something I'm not, because mm-hmm. I'm not a struggle girl. I don't want to, that's why I didn't go to get my MBA. I freaking suck at math. Like, I was like, I even took a math class to see if I could take my GMAT. And I was like, why am no. I doing this? Like, <laughs> I don't want to take statistics once I get, I don't want to do all that shit. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was like really like bad. It was like, well, let me find something I like to do. Mm-hmm. And that, I, that comes to me relatively easily not that i'm you know a whiz kid or a genius but right. i don't I'm, i don't have to struggle to do it i had to struggle at math i struggled mm-hmm. at science mm-hmm. but i don't struggle at being a lawyer i don't struggle at certain things that i yeah. like writing and you know that type of thing so i believe that you can focus and find things that bring you joy that that also provide a benefit for you like i said in the exercise that I don't like to hear when people say I hate to exercise because there are mm-hmm. too many things from walking to running to swimming to, you know, to a lot. Yeah. biking to mm-hmm. treadmill to bar to Pilates to roller skating, dancing. Like there's something you got to like to do. Yeah. You just don't want to do it and you're being lazy. Mm-hmm. That's just it. Yeah. So that's what I feel like. So I know what I like to do and how that will benefit me. But uh, people have come in and asked me to do a whole lot of stuff that I'm like, I don't want to do that. And it's important that you know what you want to do because if not, you end up doing it for somebody else and then have a screw face in the process because you're not good at it. It's hard. It doesn't Mm -hmm. feel good to you. You know, now you really don't want to do it and now you're in it. So it creates a lot of conflict. I'm definitely not that girl. Yeah, it creates a lot of conflict. Uh, But Speaking of traveling, what were some of your favorite spots and like favorite food? My favorite spots were are Africa. And when I say Africa, it's a big old continent. So let me be specific. Mm-hmm. I like Kenya was a, a favorite of mine. Um, South Africa is amazing. I think that people would, should always like, stay, that's a good place to start. It's a nice soft landing if you go to South Africa first, because you know, unfortunately they were recently colonized (laughs) with apartheid. And so Mm -hmm. they have a lot, you know, that they, you know, have a lot of, of quote unquote, first world benefits that is, Mm -hmm. you know, easy for us to come, you know, to get, but then, you know, there are other parts of it that are just very, you know, African and traditionally African. That's why I think it's a really, and it's a beautiful country. I mean, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. So I'd say Durban, Cape Town, Joburg, um, Kenya um, is a favorite of mine. Um, but I didn't love like Egypt. Didn't love it. Like really? I was, speaking of Africa, like I saw the pyramids. I don't ever need to go back. Um, um, I love I loved India. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, like seeing the Taj Mahal is something that I wish everybody could experience. And then, you know, it's just a cultural difference. Like you're driving down the street and you just see an elephant, somebody riding an elephant down the street. And it's like, mm-hmm. or, you know, you pull up into a parking lot and there's a camel park there. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, Myanmar, awesome. which unfortunately we can't go there now. Mm-hmm. Um, they were open for about a good 10 years. Um, but now because of the military and the junta, you can't really go there in the inviting. But Myanmar is just so different. I like to ex- cultural differences. Mm-hmm. And because I think, again, travel is something that brings us together because we all learn that, you know, we all have customs and feelings and we share a love of food, a love of music, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I remember I went to Ireland. I had to go there for a client. I never, I never had any desire to go to Ireland. I'm, you know, like ever. Yeah. And I went there mm-hmm. and even there I was like, this place is like so different. I go, I'm out on a Sunday going out to get coffee and I walk into, you know, I walk by and somebody said, well, make sure you go into an Irish pub and you're like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't really think anything about, exactly. about it. Mm-hmm. You go into a pub. I went into a pub and it was like literally 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning and people were in there just totally drunk and shit based off beer. And I walk in there and they're like, yeah, okay, mate, look out, whatever they said, whatever. Like, what kind of yeah. beer? Do you want? Like, um, I don't, and I don't drink, I do not like beer. And I was like, I'm sorry, I don't drink beer. And they looked at me like, are you freaking kidding me? And I was like, give me wine. And I literally, first of all, the only black person in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because Irish is hella white. So is Australia. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you go places and sometimes you are literally the only black person mm-hmm. in the whole place. Like I was in Sydney and I was like, damn, there are no black people. Like I, and I went to, you know, PWIs, like predominantly white. Mm-hmm. So I'm all, I'm used to feeling like, but, but it doesn't matter to me, but I'm used mm-hmm. to feeling like one of the few, but I like have gone into places like Ireland and when I was in Dublin and when I was in Sydney, I was like, like there are literally no black folks around, like none. Mm-hmm. And it's weird. So that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what is so interesting about travel is yeah. you just, it's so different. Like you would never think in 2000, whenever it was five or 10 years ago that I went that I would literally be the only black person I saw for days, like, mm-hmm. or like been going to several places and not see another black face. And you're like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've I've been in that boat because I'm when I first moved to America in 2000, we moved to DC and I moved from Albania. From, where? from Albania. Okay. Yeah. And I was the only white kid, minus the Spanish people, but I was literally the only European kid in my school. And yeah. And I hadn't didn't know any English, barely knew like yes and no. That's all I knew. So yeah. you can ask me any question. It's like yes or no. That's all yeah. I knew. And then like. Oh, who is this white kid? So then this one kid threw a dodgeball at me and I was like, oh no, this is about to be one of those. So like we got into a tussle and it just, for me, it was a complete culture shock. Like it was like, mm-hmm. I'm all alone. I'm by myself, no English, no, how do I make friends? And, and it was that fight yeah. that got me that like, okay, this kid, he, he's, he stands up for himself no matter what. And it's like, what is this culture? Like yeah. nobody, no, nobody breaks up this fight. No, there was like tussle. And the dude that picked on me, he was the one that got suspended. They were like, you can't <laughs> be suspended. You, you, you don't know any English. Like if anything, you're the one that got picked on, which was, which was true. Right. And then right. 
after a while, it was like popular white kid. And then it was like, okay, like this is totally different from Europe. Totally yeah. Different. Yeah. Totally. And that's the thing until, you know, you go places and really see, and, and I mean, and like see wealth, I mean, you know, and you see poverty and mm. like extreme forms of poverty, like, like stuff that you just like abject poverty. Yeah. And, and, and just when you go to certain places in, you know, like India or even like to, to London and you see mm-hmm. the money that the monarchy has and you like, oh my freaking God. Like, and you can't even, I can't, I have a big imagination. I can't even imagine the money that the queen has like that. Yeah. And, and you can see the jewels and you're like, well, if they have this many jewels on display in a whole, you know, museum, like the Tower of London, and then they have mm-hmm. like how many jewels do these people have? And then you start to collect connect the dots. You're like, okay, they got this from colonization. Yeah. As you get older, you know, so you it, it all comes together, and and you you really get the 360 view yeah. of the world, and you see how it is, you know, the great equalizer, but it also see how you know the our whole world has built on divide and conquer. Like mm-hmm. literally stealing people's land exactly. and, and, you know, and their minerals and, yeah. and enslaving people in one way or the other. Exactly. You know? When you, so. when you, when you step into London, you're surrounded by wealth. Well, yeah. I, I must've seen Range Rovers, Rolls Royces, Mercedes. It was like, yeah. and then when I came back to the U S people were like, Oh, look at that Ferrari. I was like, I just came back from seeing luxury. Like, yeah, this is like, what the like luxury and if, every... there, and if you're there in london in it's like june and july like a lot of the um the emiratis take yep. their vacation mm-hmm. over there and that's when you see all those cars like because yep. you know regular london is like okay you know it's well wealthy but then it's like an enormous like ridiculous amounts of you know of emiratis over there and they come mm-hmm. there and they take their holiday and that's you know that's the time that all that, you know, the money comes and you're like, okay. And, you know, you go to Dubai and you see these people's like palaces and and to just, and you're just like, yo, like, and then you see, you know, the people living in poverty who built it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, And in how people enslave, you know, like they have the Filipinos over there that they don't pay, you know, then, you know, so you just see how the world is like, you're like, okay. It's, it's y'all build all these these buildings and the Burj Al, you know, the Burj Al Arab and the Burj Khalifa and all that stuff yeah. on the backs of like Filipino immigrants and putting them in shanty tents. Crazy. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's completely backwards. Yes. The whole thing is flipped. It, it, it's, it's insane yeah. to see. That's why I'm saying it's important to travel. Like watching it on yeah. TV is one thing, reading about it is one. But if you're there and you witness it, it's like, whoa. Like that's why I'm thankful for my parents. They're like, okay, when I was like 10 or 11 years old or 13, you know, 14, 15, you're like, parents are leaving the house. I want the house to myself. But thankful for my parents are like, you need to come and travel with us. Yeah. You need to come see Spain. You need to come see, yeah. you know, all of these, you know, regardless of you being from Europe, you literally, you grew up in America. You came here at 10. Yeah. What the the fuck do you know about the world? Yeah, that's right. So it's like, so now when I look back, I'm like, okay, I'm glad I went to Madrid because Madrid is where I want to retire. No, Madrid is dope. Yeah. Madrid is ridiculous. That's another spot that's just hella fun. Mm -hmm. Like Madrid is off the chain. Like I want to go back there and just spend some time there. It's sexy. It's fun. Yeah. 
um, just all of that. So yeah, you you, um, you can you can get lost in Madrid at four in the morning, and people will point you to the right direction. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's super yeah. clean. It's it's I love it. I mean, where would you like to retire when you like as you get closer somewhere to the it? beach? You know, somewhere near a beach with water. And now you know that I go different places. I you know, um, but I, I always find myself looking at you know, well, can I, could I move here? But one of the things that's also important, as I can say this much, is um, as fucked up as the United States is, and make no mistake about it, it is. <laughs> it is also home. Like, mm-hmm. there's, you know, it's, I cannot imagine going somewhere and being an expat and just, like, coming back once a year. You know what I mean? Like, because I, I like the creatures of, at least right now, you know, I like mm-hmm. the creatures of, I like the fact that I can get, you know, run up to Target or have something delivered by Amazon, mm-hmm. you know, if I wanted in, you know, even same day delivery. Um, I like, you know, American programming. Um, I like American music and I, and I like black culture and I'm like, right. you know, like I am 1000% bleedy black through and through. And so I love black culture. I think Mm -hmm. black people create the culture Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't, I would miss all that. And, you know, that's why I would have to have some kind of place here, you know, that could pop Mm -hmm. back to, you know, maybe in the summers and the spring. So, you know, that's the, that's the idea. Have some fabulous beach house, like somewhere in the Bahamas or, you know, Mexico, and then pop back here and, you know, and I like my friends, you know, like I, <laughs> exactly. I, I, you know, listen, I still like, I ain't trying to retire anytime soon. This, this pandemic has taken two years of my, of my getting it in off the books, you know, just mm-hmm. like, like, I want to, I want to put on some heels and go to a freaking party. Like I want to go and I'm launching a book in March. I want to have a book launch party. I want to yeah. want to go see people get married. I want to, you know, like, I want to dance. Like it was the summer was great because of that. And then you're yeah. back lockdown, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, I could tell that you're like, you're like an extrovert. Like you like to go out there and just travel and just, but just as much I'm at home too. Like, I, yeah. you know, listen, like I'm, I'm loving being at home, but sometimes I'm just like, yo, I'm ready to get out. Like who's not? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know? what, what other hobbies do you have outside of, outside of traveling? Any other hobbies or just, that? um, I read a lot. Um, I, I read quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that um, outdoors, you know, I like, you know, being out, I'm like, like not a glamper or anything like that, but, you know, I traveling is probably the biggest it's and most better. expensive hobby that I have because in that I do so much. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'll go hiking, I'll go paddleboarding, I'll go, mm-hmm. you know, take yoga on the beach. I'll, you know, um, but I do a lot of that here, but it's just different to experience it in other places as well. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, now, and, uh, and it's important just to rest, you know, like sometimes I just is. like to sit here and just binge watch and I literally do not feel guilty about it at all because exactly. I work so hard. And I think it's really important mm-hmm. that we take that time to honor ourselves. When I was studying for the bar, they, you know, when I walked in, they had this, you know, you will pass the bar if you, you know, follow this formula. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And this was a California bar, like only 20% of us passed you know, on the first time. And it was like a big deal, you know, mm-hmm. and they said, listen, we have the formula and the, 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 the secret sauce is, you know, 
follow the, the, the study plan that we give you. Mm-hmm. Go to class in the morning, study in the evenings. You know, you have to study about eight hours, 10 hours a day, but take one day off where you don't do anything. And we were like, what? Yeah. And then, you know, the idea back then, it was a marathon, not a sprint. And I followed it. I'm that girl. You give me something to do. I'm doing it. Like Mm -hmm. I can follow it. It's the Catholic guilt too. If I feel like if I don't do it, like, oh my God, you know, like I still suffer a lot. (laughs) You know, even though I'm not a practicing Catholic anymore, but I grew up as Catholic. And that, that Mm -hmm. just like the Jewish guilt sticks with you. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so I did it and I passed on the first try. So I believed in doing nothing in some days, just sitting at home, not even doing laundry. Like, you know, just sitting at home, if you feel like you need to stay in the bed or stay on the couch all day and you have worked and you listen, do it. Like I'm that girl. It's important, especially now it's like that season where it's like cold and it's like cozy season. All the great shows are coming back too. all the phenomenal shows like Ozark's coming back. Yeah. Uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel's coming back. Like all of these yeah. great shows are coming back, which is yeah. especially nowadays, like with the pandemic that happened, who knows where our mindset is? We don't really know yeah. each other's yeah. mindset. So right now is the most important time to reflect on who we are and how yeah. can we go to the next level? Because even right. the people in the pandemic that are that are trying to help with the pandemic, like the the hospitals and everything, they don't even know what's next. Yeah, we don't. It's just, it's, we just, don't. it's a scary, 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 scary time. So reflect on as much as you can. So there's no shame yeah. in that at all, at all. Uh, now, yeah. you provide counsel for a large media companies, film distribution companies, music, tele- music, television, and pretty much all across the board. What is some advice you can give to someone that's coming up in, in that realm that you are? Well, like I said, first learn how to be a good lawyer. Um, you know, learn... It's important um, because entertainment is not a type of law. We deal in mm-hmm. contracts and and you know in breaches. So you know we deal in transactional law. So I think it's important that you learn how to be a good lawyer. Like litigation served me well because it taught me deadlines. It taught me how to analyze and you know research in and and give both sides of the of the of the transaction. And um, so be a good. Be a, learn how to be a good lawyer is first. And secondly, I would say, um, you know, um, it, it you're coming up, it's important to go and, you know, be a member of a lot of these conferences and, and these networking, you know, opportunities. Mm-hmm. Now you can even do it. You don't even have to leave your own home. You can do it on LinkedIn, you know, be a part of a lot of these groups and, mm-hmm. you know, and that's important because you meet people there. And one of my, my mentor, um, you know, 20 something years ago, you know, recently hired me, my firm is out of counsel to his firm to help him with some, over, I mean, and he's got a, it's a big firm of lawyers, but you know, he knew what he was getting when he hired me because he, you know, he, we worked together. I mean, not worked together, but he mentored me in mm-hmm. long 20 years ago, you know? So, but it's important that you, you know, you find your mentor through these people, you know, I say cold calling is the worst that you can do because that shows me that you haven't looked to find a mentor on your own, you know, like, mm-hmm. well, no shade, but you know, like just take, you have to take your, your career into your own hands and mm-hmm. you have to be the the captain of your fate and in your destiny. So I think that's important as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, just hard work really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's uh, it. 
Now, um, if your life had a soundtrack, which three tracks would you pick? Um, I would pick, um, oh, that's a good question. Um, boy, hmm. something by Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. Lovely Day by Bill Withers, for sure. Yeah. Because that was my dad's jam. And, um, and it's just a way to start your day. Um, boy, um, gosh, what would else would it be? Something by Michael Jackson. I don't know. And, um, gosh, that's a good question. I'll have to, I'll have to give you some thoughts on that one. Um, <laughs> something by Donna Summer. Nice. Michael okay. Jackson. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I would it. say, um, cause I like to, you know, just, that's hard. Just picking three. Yeah. I don't know. But lovely day is is, is for sure. Is no, is up there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th those yeah. are good picks. I mean, from yeah. those are like generations too. Like, yeah, yeah, generations like Michael Jackson, Bill. Williams. I would say she works hard for the money from Donna yeah. Summer. <laughs> um, you know, and then something by Michael Jackson for mm -hmm. sure because he's mm -hmm. just such a big influence on my mm -hmm. life. Uh, speaking of working hard for the money, obviously you also have done TV production as well under your belt. I mean. You've, you've done it all in the industry. Like I, when I was looking, I was like, she's done everything. I was like, where do I start? Like, who, where do I, do I go from journalism? Do I go from TV production? Do I go from, what, I've, I don't yeah, know. I've produced a couple of films that mm -hmm. have come the way, you know, basically through clients and on my own, mm -hmm. um, you know, just as a, as a production council, I, you know, end up producing anyway, you know, really guiding them and, mm -hmm. and that's how I've gotten into it. So not really so much behind the physical production, of um of the film right. but um the um the you know um to like putting assembling the people together and coming okay. up with ideas and things like that so that's how i got into film oh, okay okay because i was like she's how does she have time like does she right. even have time for herself and then there was the traveling part as well you know so now the last question is there's 10 rapid questions you can answer them one word directly okay. and then it's from inside the echo studios the first question is what is your favorite word um my favorite word that's a good question well it's two words i can mm -hmm. uh what is your least favorite word i i can't what turns you on in life um Intellect and inquisitiveness. What turns you off in life? Close-minded people and um, Trumpers. What sound or noise do you love? Ironically, I love the sound of um, when they're making martinis and they're shaking up the <laughs> martinis. That's one of my favorite sounds in the world. And I'm doing a dry January. Um, nice. That's one of my favorite sounds. I love the sound of the beach. Mm. Um, yeah, those are, I love what sound or What sound or noise do you hate? Nails on a chalkboard. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite curse word? Fuck. What the fuck? That's a big <laughs> one. Uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I think I've done it all. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, that I'm in one that I'm good at, but you know, more TV and more public speaking. Mm -hmm. What profession would you not like to do? Doctor. Mm -hmm. And the last one is if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? 
Job well done. Mm-hmm. Any last words you'd like to give to the people? Any shout outs? And where can they follow you on the social? Um, you can follow me on the social media at, at Lisa Bonner. Um, I do have a book coming out in uh, March. It's called The Legalities of Entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. The uh, relentless pursuit of excellence and balance in starting your own business. And it's a lot of the first person anecdotes that we kind of talked about, but it's an A to Z primer on starting your own business. But my brand is the tea, is tea time, my podcast. So I have, um, the legality is my, um, my, uh, brand. And so in between the chapters, I have what's called tea time and that's first person practical advice on the pursuit of excellence and balance in starting your own business. So first person cautionary tales that we would have if, you know, something happened and how to pursue your business with ease and grace. Perfect. All right, guys, this is another episode of Intuitive Minds Podcast. Peace.